welcome to CMIO Podcast, a show devoted to educating and informing those who are making healthcare easier for others. Whether you're involved with informatics, analytics, or new technologies that make the lives of our practicing clinicians better, this show is for you. My name is Dr. Mark Weissman. I'm a practicing physician and CMIO and the host of CMIO Podcast. And today I have with me special guest Mary Ellen Bellavo who is the CEO of a company called Knowledge to Practice. And as CMIOs, sometimes as we're out there solving the world's problems, we figure out that, hey, it's not the technical piece that's broken here. There's a knowledge gap, and it's a clinical gap. And so what if we help identify knowledge gaps long before the error occurs and try to close those gaps? And what if we put a link in the EMR for providers who want to educate and learn more about specific topics and give them the ability to catch a quick clip, a 10-minute update on something? Those kinds of tools is not something that I see every day. So I thought this would be a great opportunity, and I'd like to introduce Mary Allen. Say hello, and we'll get started here. Hi, Mark. Thanks for inviting me. I'm happy to be here today and share a little bit about uh, what we do at Knowledge to Practice. Thank you for coming on the show. If you would, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey about how you got to where you are today as the CEO of this company. Yeah, sure. So like many of us, uh, I had a major pivot in my career. The first part of my career, I was actually a marketing executive in the Boston market. And the chairman of Partners was an old boss of mine. I happened to give birth to a daughter who had a congenital heart defect. And when he was the one to select the top surgeons and doctors to help us along my daughter's lifelong journey with congenital heart disease, having an angiogram at six months, open heart at 11 months. So in the process, you inevitably get very close to your physicians, right? And it's a long journey that you're on together and you end up feeling very close to them. You recognize their excellence. You recognize how passionate they are about what they do and how they care for their patients. And in my daughter's case, she actually has Newton syndrome. It was a clinical diagnosis back then. uh, So it was nothing that they could run tests on and it was miss. So as you can imagine, there were many things performed on her that actually were unnecessary and created a little bit more of a difficult journey than than was necessary and I think the physicians were as deflated maybe more than I as we sort of failed some of the first milestones that we thought we would sail through Uh, having her valve be so majorly dysplastic was sort of a surprise for them so I think It was my admiration for them and and sort of sharing the frustration that they had that I realized I had to make a pivot in my career. And I somehow had to advocate for physicians and be the one to help understand the complexities that they face and to deliver tools that would enable them to sort of be able to function the way they always dreamed they would function when they went to medical school and have all the right tools that they needed at their fingertips. And I I really recognized that it was 
impossible for them to keep up and they were just lacking some tools that they should have at their fingertips. So it really was through that process with my daughter that made me make a very emotional commitment to medical education, go back to school. I got a graduate degree in adult learning and and, and then I went on my road and uh, just fell in love with education and physicians and providing them tools that are more meaningful than podium-based lectures. That's a powerful story about how you got into this. It's a great journey. I'm glad you're devoted to helping doctors get better with what they do. The company, Knowledge to Practice, is really known, many doctors will know of this because it helped them pass their boards. And that's certainly one piece of what you do. But how else has this morphed into more than just, we help you pass the boards? Yeah, and so into our story enters the complexity of starting an organization that is a startup and and is venture-backed. And so you make certain decisions early on in order to get the funding that you need to fulfill your dream and the vision of the company. I I got to understand sort of evidence-based medicine and the aspect of guidelines and the challenges of enabling physicians to practice to guidelines. And at the same time, accountable care was taking root and I just recognized that the education market was somewhat antiquated in the podium-based lectures and so I started Knowledge to Practice in 2014 and for us the decision was made to start in the board review area mainly because it's an area that physicians know they need so I knew I could break into the marketplace fairly quickly if I had a top product. So I built a partnership with Mayo Clinic because I didn't have funding at that time and I couldn't afford to create all the content. So we did the needs assessment in the marketplace and we have a proprietary rigorous approach to needs assessments and developed the learning objectives, teaching and testing points, developed the curriculum, spent two years actually developing the faculty, how to leverage adult learning theory and enable the content to be high value in an online uh, learning environment and really step away from podium-based learning and uh, shift them from being lecturers to to actual professors and teachers and so starting in the board review place was an area that we would be able to show the marketplace the value of our uh, adult learning platform so our user interface is really structured to inform the physician knowing that physicians have really mastered the ability to multitask I knew that I need to be able to send you know 800 words of text in a single visual so we really worked um, adult learning informed user interface to enable the ease of physicians to get at exactly what they need not to have to boil the ocean get at small gists of content so that each learner could traverse the content uniquely and they could access it by any device. And so we were really approaching, many providers out there were still doing really large question banks, sort of these antiquated approaches, or they were digitizing live courses. And I knew that wasn't what I wanted us to be. And I knew with Mayo's help, we really could deliver something that was unique to the market. And this at least would be our way to prove how innovative and disruptive we could be in an area where physicians actively and aggressively need products that give them the confidence that they can pass their boards. 
So that's really why we started in the board review space, in all honesty. Uh, it really gave us a platform that then led us to our Series A, which led us to close $6.5 million and enable us to start to develop the products that we really truly wanted to bring to market, which, Mark, are the products that you've seen. So I guess I should disclose to my colleagues here, this podcast remains unsupported. I have no financial arrangements. I'm not even a client of K2P yet, although I do really believe in the product and I am angling to get my system to engage here. And to kind of give an overview of how the product works, let's just take hypothetical example. We wanted to work with our hospitalists. We would administer a test, they would sit down and we would be assessing their knowledge and then they would have the opportunity to fill the gaps. Here's what they don't know. Is that how this works? That is how this works and it supports all the CME and MOC that they need. So yes, they can see exactly where they have and lack mastery. They can engage specifically in the content where they lack mastery, which really enables them to focus their energy in the areas where they need it most and and be able to increase the knowledge and skills that they gain with confidence that they can bring it back to their practice the next day. So the model that you just laid out is one of our models, which is the most simple model where you deploy the product in the way that you mentioned. And they can you can, we can deliver it in, in, in a couple ways. One, if it's a academic institution with a lot of subspecialists, they can take it sort of by subspecialty area and, and then later at their own pace, expand into the more general areas or vice versa. So there's a little flexibility or they can approach it like you said, which is get a comprehensive sort of across an ABIM blueprint, right? All the areas of competency, where do I stand? And then dive into the specific areas of content. So that's model one, which is easy to deploy. There's no integration. They have their own private learning portal that no one else sees that they go into and they engage in work as they need and want to. And the second model involves actually a little bit of consulting on our side. So this is where we try to bring together the departments and the quality improvement team. And so generally in this model, what we do is we want the physicians to get the benefit of all of our evidence-based as well as our emerging medicine content on the go. And so that's sort of the gift that they get through this. Uh, and then really most importantly, we work together generally with the chair of that department and their direct reports to understand what are the key measures they're really looking to improve on in the next year. And so we then start to partner with the quality department. We look at where their baseline is. We understand their goals and where they want to actually move that bar to over what period of time. And then we, as a company, are able to come back. We align those measures that you have identified as measures you want to focus on with our curriculum. We do APPs as well, so they work together better as a team. And you have these required modules, and then we get back together as a team to talk about how is this different from how you're currently doing it, and we're in partnership with the QI team to figure out are there processes or other things that need to go along to support the team in their ability to be successful. And the other important thing that we generally do is if there's other learning activities that sort of weigh down the team that maybe be 
in their mind, subpar or frustrating or sort of feel like check the box, not really meaningful education that I personally would choose to buy externally with my stipend. We try to get them not to have to do that and have this curriculum replace it, which generally means a couple people have to look at the quality of our content and the numbers of people that have gone through it and the improvements that they've had. It gets approved and then we move forward. So that's the second model that really ties us more deeply into quality improvement. I had a third model in mind, which I think is going to be attractive to my CMIO colleagues, and that's just-in-time learning. So I'm picturing this situation where we have someone that we've identified through pre-testing or we just know through quality measures is struggling in their management of diastolic congestive heart failure. And we've identified that we have the tools as CMIOs, we reach for order sets and alerts or other things, but sometimes that's not enough. It's a deficit in education that we could in the workflow for certain providers perhaps give them a link which would then get them to the content or we send to their email or in basket. So after they've seen a patient with diastolic heart failure, we would follow that up with, hey, here's some content about the management of diastolic congestive heart failure. And your modules tend to come in these little 10, 15 minute bites of whether it's audio, slide sets or video, there's so many different options that the provider can just capture that kind of in their day. Yes, they have to take 10 minutes out of their day, but to deliver better patient care, that's a vision I have. Is that a realistic vision? That's absolutely realistic vision, and that's really the the goal moving forward. We have not deployed something at that level. We are looking to deploy something at that level. We absolutely have the ability to create um, links inside EHRs so that the physician can have access. But that is really the perfect world is that we could actually give them that small gist of information that they need and let them engage in that content. To your point, we're trying to make learning a lifestyle and let them grab whether it's a transcript, a video, audio, every piece of content is available in four different formats. So if they're going for a run, they could listen to it a second time later in the night or what have you. But that's exactly what we're trying to do is really bring them the knowledge immediately So right now, you know, most physicians spend more time searching for what they're looking for. And many times when you're inside a product like UpToDate, which I think we're actually a perfect partner for, is you're in UpToDate, they tell you something, what to do. That's a different tool, right? That's a point of care tool. They're giving you an answer. I sort of consider them to be the what, whereas we're more the why, right? Because a lot of times a physician will get an answer in UpToDate and they'll either be unclear about why that's the answer or sometimes even disagree with that answer. And so what would happen is they would be able to go into our product and be able to see that between what their HR message is sending them and what UpToDate is sending them, they can actually go in and get the education that starts to fill in the gaps in their mind so that um, it's not going to happen again, right? So you're dealing with doctors here. We have no gaps. We know. <laughs> so is that true? I mean, so uh, help. Uh, you, this has been real for you. You have deployed this. Tell us about where an organization started at a baseline and then the quality change that happened after using the tool. Yeah. So, and this is always uh, interesting because, of course, you know, people want their data private. But uh, in terms of uh, a recent deployment example, 
we had an organization with all board certified uh, cardiologists and, and we actually had an 80% failure rate, right? And so the, the people were averaging in the 50s. And I think that isn't a statement at all about the quality of this system's cardiologist. It's the reality of the rate of development is literally outstripping the physician's ability to keep up. Again, this is about having empathy for the physicians, all the things that are changing in their mind and the reality that the education space here is totally antiquated and really not effective at doing what physicians need. And so that's our goal is to be able to give those folks what they need. And literally three months later, we had 67% increase in knowledge and skill. I mean, that's a huge jump. So brilliant physicians, they just didn't have the agility. And people are saying they spent half the time and they got three to four times X what just emotionally what they felt they would get from typical products in the marketplace. So I like to have my full team really stand in the shoes of a physician, understand the complexity of their life, and really think about that as we're creating our products and give them only what they need, exactly what they need. But also to your opening point of physicians are, and I tell my team this all the time, recognize adults in general are very poor at self-assessment. All of us are. Now put yourself in in the from the perspective of being a physician where you oftentimes have a patient's life in your hands your need for confidence is high in order to be decisive at the bedside and in quick moving situations you have got to have confidence or you'll fail as a physician so that makes self-assessment even harder right and so our job actually is to be the one to help them to see in a very safe way where they have been unable to keep up, right? And where they need to refresh, just a refresher on the basics. They know it, it's just kind of asleep in their brain right now, right? We need to re-stimulate it. And so that's really what I focus on on our landing page is enabling them that perspective in a safe way. So again, our goal is to keep their confidence high, but give them sort of a, a quick perspective perspective in a, in a pathway to get themselves and be able to maintain their competency. I want to tell a brief story because I just took my informatics boards. Now, it's not a topic that you happen to cover with your product, but I, I bought a, an online board review course where I would get these one to two hour long videos with really, really dense content, very complicated stuff. And I'm trying to absorb it. I had to watch the videos more than once. I had some colleagues who went to the actual live course and said it was like drinking from a fire hose. It's three days, eight hour days, and it's just this massive amount of information coming in. And then they sit down to take a test. They're really studying for the test, not so much that deep, ongoing, practical knowledge. And how is your content different from my friends who have used your tools for clinical knowledge improvement, they love the format. It's not just a taking a live lecture that was recorded and snipping it down into pieces. It's different. How is it different? Yeah, thanks, Mark. That's a, that's a great question and I think something that we pride ourselves on. So I think the academicians in our space have really been taught to be subject matter experts and lecturers and how to create presentations. But 
they don't have the time or the focus in their career to be an expert in adult learning. So we really view that as our responsibility. They don't need to be those experts. We need to be those experts. And we need to partner in a way that we can enable those experts to bring information forward so that it is easy for the learner to assimilate retain it in their long-term memory and be able to recall it at the bedside and that's really our job and I think that's what makes us a little unique as a company. We spend a lot of time working with our faculty helping them to understand how to manage cognitive load, how to use visual maps to distill down the most complex things, right? A, A slide with a bunch of bullets just doesn't do it. So if we're thinking about different individuals, Mark, you might be an expert on something that is brand new for me. So I need some remediary information where you might need more esoteric information, right? So we want to create a module that lets you and I traverse that uniquely. Well, that's all about putting your thoughts together behind the area where you're a subject matter expert such that it can be broken out so each little chunk is deeply meaningful and that if someone chooses to traverse the entire module that they can piece them together if they choose to for an even higher value of learning. But if they're trying to access something on the go, they can get to that exact piece, right content, right time, right place. Tell us what's new and exciting. So right now you're covering internal medicine and cardiology. What's next for the company that you're excited about? One thing, we're expanding internal medicine to include hospitalists as well as family practitioners. You know, looking at the external market, we're seeing more and more leave the acute setting into the ambulatory setting. So that's one of the sort of more simple things we're looking at. But I think one of the things that I'm most excited about is really developing interdisciplinary care in the acute setting. So we're really looking at hospital-acquired infections and conditions and really really building interdisciplinary curriculum from the ground up for that full interdisciplinary team. We're going to start with sepsis and move broader, but that first focus is going to be on sepsis because it's such a crisis point right now. This topic of adult education is a little on the periphery of the information technology that my colleagues who are listening to us usually get into, but it's how to interface the knowledge into our workflows, and that falls squarely into our roles as to how do we make this relevant and get it in front of providers at the right time. So I don't want to hold you past our time here because I do promise you I'd get you out, but uh, this has been incredibly valuable for helping my colleagues understand what options are out there in terms of adult education, that it's not all tip sheets, it's not all (laughs) um, uh, really long, boring uh, videos (laughs) that are out there. Uh, Hey, if if one of my colleagues wanted to get in touch with you, LinkedIn or email, what's the best way to to reach out to you? Yeah, either way, uh, my email is mbeliveau, B-E-L-I-V-E-A-U, at K the number two, the letter P, dot com. And I think we'll wrap it up there. Mary Ellen, thank you for joining us. I think as more organizations get success with integrating content with the clinical challenges, putting it right in the workflow of the providers and nurses, I think this is going to be a great field to watch. So again, thank you for coming on the show. 
So that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to CMIO Podcast. I've been your host, Dr. Mark Weissman, and you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at cmiopodcast at gmail.com or go to the website at cmiopodcast.com. Send me your ideas for shows, guests you'd like to hear from, general feedback, or just to connect. And I look forward to bringing you our next episode. Thank you.